Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about the second episode of the third season of Leverage called The Reunion Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, I have so many thoughts about this episode. I have a lot of things that I loved. Lay them on. I have a, I have a couple of things that I'm like, eh, that didn't you age You cannot mention well. them. That's okay. Yeah, look, <laughs> you know, I have yeah a couple of things where I'm like, oh, look, it yeah. didn't age very well uh, that I just want to pepper in there. 2022 vision, you know, it's a different lens. Right off the top of the episode, though, I do want to touch on, obviously, this particular episode is based around Cyrus and... Uh, the free Iran movement that was happening. And at the moment, obviously the political unrest, I suppose we would describe it that's happening in Iran is very, very topical. And Jamie and I are not the people to have opinions on it <laughs> in any great depth. We don't have the the knowledge to really comment on that in any way that is reputable, I suppose. We are not experts, we are not scholars, we are not... Like, we keep up to date with the news, but we are not experts in any way. We're not the voices that need to be no. heard in this. So, we could speak about this for an hour, but none of none of it would really be meaningful because we are not the people that it's really impacting, and we're also not the people who have expert, detailed knowledge, and we're not we're not there, we, we don't know. We're not speaking from experience. We, we don't have any experience relating to this, so what we're going to do is we're going to put some topical resources in the description below... It is not a great situation, um, and we do highly encourage you to do your own research and to be informed on the situation, but we're just going to sort of leave it at that because we are not the sort of people to really comment on that. I suppose the, the point is that if we were going to talk about that, if we were going to talk about the situation in Iran in the way that it deserves to be discussed, which is in a very like in-depth manner with a lot of thought and consideration, this is probably not the format to do it in where we're on a leverage podcast. Strictly so, jerky time with the Australians. Exactly. So rather than spending two hours talking about this, because if we didn't spend that time, it would just be not doing it the service it deserves. So we are going to put resources in the description, like Jamie said, and we thoroughly encourage you to look into it yourselves and gain an understanding for yourself using the voices of the people who are actually in Iran and living through this at the moment. Okay, love. so what did you think of the leverage episode? I <laughs> yeah. should probably be more specific. Yeah. Now that we've sort of touched on that, we're not really going to mention that aspect of the episode again. So, yeah. Okay, so my first note is, what's manticore? And then Nate immediately said, what's manticore? So unfortunately, I have to give props to Nate. Thank you for asking the important questions. I would have been very confused. Beth's Nate coding continues. Yeah, look, I'm not a fan of it, uh, <laughs> to say the least. But I do have to I do have to give Nate credit where credit's due. But also, I was immediately distracted by Elliot the Lurker Spencer. That is so funny. He's a liker. That it's is what he so does. fucking funny. When he wrote, when when he wrote, when he said, I'm a lurker, that's my thing. I wrote a note that just says Aragorn coded. Like, I was like, damn, he's even got the hood and everything and the long hair. I was like, this is hilarious. So I loved that. Honestly, I loved that whole opening scene. I think it was great having Hardison there. I think it was hilarious that Elliot was lurking. Um, and I do think it's interesting that even now Sophie is back. It was Hardison that went with Nate to that That's interview. because it was Hardison who, like, 
for Hardison, it was sort of a personal cause almost. Mm. Like, as much as it wasn't a personal cause, it was also, like, he's the one who found Cyrus. He's, like, yeah. it's the tech side of things. It's the community that, obviously, we haven't really seen too much of it. We do learn more about, like, Hardison and what he does in the sort of hacking community, um, especially the hacking community as it relates to, um, like, freedom and... Mm sort of like that sort of element we do learn more about that one down the track cool. um but this this case the reason hardison is there is because it's similar to the first season the wedding job where like sophie was like this is my case this is yeah. i want us to help this person so it's mm-hmm. it's very similar to that that's why hardison's there because hardison has the relevant knowledge yeah i also it. love that nate makes him explain Mm. Like, I thought, because Nate was asking these questions, and I was like, what are you, like, I was with Hardison, I was like, Nate, what the fuck are you talking about? I was this like, is exactly what you do. I was like, there has got to be something happening here. Like, there's a reason yeah. that Nate is, like, making Hardison spell it out. And then I was, like, listening to Hardison explain, and I was like, oh, he's so passionate about helping. I was like, what a little cutie. And I was like, well, how far, how far he's come? Mm. And then Nate basically makes the point of, oh, you little cutie, look how far you've come. <laughs> and I was like, no, Nate, stop being relatable. <laughs> Um, you slowly realizing that of the team you're Nate coded is going to be your villain origin story. I'm gonna literally be so angry. <laughs> I, mm, yeah, look. Don't worry, there's only more Nate coding to come for you. Oh yay! <laughs> um, actually, hilariously, my next note is relevant to Supernatural, so I am just gonna toss it out there. Actually, a lot in this episode reminded me of Supernatural. I'm thinking specifically. Wishful Thinking, which is, mm-hmm. I think, Season 3, Episode 8. Yes. Health, health, health inspectors. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, I want to very quickly talk about the fact that, yet again, like, it happened in Supernatural and it's happening here, they're very publicly shutting down a business for some kind of infestation of, in this mm-hmm. case, it was roaches. In Supernatural, it was rodents. And I'm like... Are you not thinking about the impact you're having on these people's fucking livelihoods? Oh, they absolutely are. Oh. Do you not realize that that cafe is a den of fucking spies? I mean, yes, I it's do. It's not an innocent business. Yes, I do. But I'm also like, fuck, man. Like, and even Parker makes the comment about, like, I know that this is, you know, this is a den of evil dodgy, spies. But, like, pastry it smells, smells amazing. Hardison confiscates some pastries. Hilarious, by the way. And I hope that she devoured those pastries with the appropriate vigor. So. Yeah, like, I understand, but I'm also, like, I found it hilarious. I was like, oh, my God, the supernatural leverage parallels, they're really there. And it was very entertaining for me. While we're talking about health inspectors, we've, we've mm. got to talk about health inspector Elliot and health inspector Hardison. The fucking fact that the same joke came back at the very end when the guy's, like, the health inspector? And Elliot's like, I'm going to have to duck you again. It was so funny. Uh, there was such good humor in this episode. And of course, you've got Sophie overacting her little heart out, going, "There's a roach in my shirt, like." Oh my god, yes. And they're like, "See, this is exactly why we're having a spot inspection." Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was incredible. I love. I mean, I've made my position on this very clear. I fucking love Hardison playing yeah. a role. He is my favorite to play a role. And I love when Elliot plays a role as well, because both of them just commit to it so hard, and so it's just so fun to like watch them do it. It's also the sort of roles that they get to sort of play and the sort of yeah. roles they feel. Like, they get to be more, like, sort of cartoonish. Like, yeah. they're, they're very fun, whereas, like, Sophie and Nate's roles are typically way more serious. They're more, they play one role. Mm-hmm. 
the entire episode because that one role is the role that they are like interacting Conning through with. the mark. Yeah. Um. So it's like when you see like Parker Elliot Hardison play a role, typically like they're, they're like cameos. They're like cameos <laughs> almost. So those characters can be like full of stereotypes and that because they're not actually trying to. Yeah. If anything, like, like they're trying to distract the person. Yeah. So by being over the top and in your face, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? Yeah. And you're not really paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. So much as you're just paying attention to this person's insane. You know. Which is why when Hardison did it in the Iceman job. Mm-hmm. He was the main role, and he it bit him in the ass because he's yeah. so used to playing like these sort of characters, who is like you're in and out of their lives in five minutes. Yeah, if that, you know, even and like, Elliot with the bonsai, yeah. you know, and then Parker and Hardison like cleaning it up, yeah. like that whole bit yeah. was only maybe five minutes cumulatively. And then you have um, Parker as catering, which catering, yes. what a business. business. Hilarious. Although I do have a fucking bone to pick with this because this is now the second instance of Parker tasering people who are holding guns. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, but all you're going to do is make their finger contract, pull the trigger and they're going to fucking shoot someone. Parker, babe, I love you. Stop doing this. I mean, to be fair, it was on, the gun was only pointed at night, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, speaking of Parker and Beth Ricegraff by extension. Yes. I have a question. Does she, do you know, does she do her own stunts? Or does she have a stunt double? Or does She it, like, does a have a stunt part? double. I know she does some of her own stunts. Mm. I don't know specifically which one she... Like, she's not like a, like Christian Kane. If does everything. See, if you see him in any scene, you can pretty safely assume that... He, He's doing it. He's doing it. He doesn't normally have a stunt double. I, I think he had. He did occasionally for some of the like more stunty stunts, but like all of the fight scenes, he typically does himself. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure with Beth Ricegraff how much of that is stunt double and how much of that is her. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she does some of her own stunts, but I don't think she does all of them. So. Okay. It only occurred to me to ask in this episode, and I realized that I pro- maybe should have occurred to me earlier, but... Because when she's climbing out of that air vent and she like goes fully like onto the table on her hands and then she does like a backflip down. And I was like, first of all, that was cool as hell. Um, And then second of all, I was like, oh, I wonder how much of her Mm. stunt work is actually her. In that instance, I was like, I feel like it's probably a stunt double just from the way it was shot. And like, I feel like during the actual flip, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's actually her. But I was just curious to know if you knew. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know, like, I do know that she definitely had a stunt double because mm-hmm. I know for a fact the scene in uh, the second David job where she's breaking into the museum, no, the first David job where she's breaking into the museum and she's, like, flipping through the lasers, mm-hmm. that was definitely a stunt double. Okay. So I, I do know that for, like, a lot of her flips and stuff, she does have a stunt double. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked. It's not um, like it's uncommon no. or anything. Um, But she does do all of her, like, lifts and stuff herself. So anytime you see her pick a pocket, she's actually picking a pocket. Yeah, see, I knew that. So that's why I wanted to ask. Yeah. Because I was like, I wonder how far it goes. And I knew that Christian Kane did a lot of his own stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I wonder. Yeah. You know. But, no, that's um, it's good to know. And it's interesting. Yeah. But I did love... Stunt that. Stunt actors, stunt performers need more recognition in generally. Oh, so like a million times more. Yeah. The stunt double in this I think is pretty incredible. Like some of the stuff they do, like some of the stunts they do in this show, some of the special effects haven't aged the greatest. Mm. But a lot of the stunts they do are still really solid and the stunt performers did a fantastic job and the editing team and the director did a fantastic job of like cutting them together so it looks yeah. really like Lovely and seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I just wanted to. I wanted to ask, just in case you knew. No, I, I don't know specifically. Like, oh, it, that was stunt yeah. versus um the actress, but 
I do know she does do some of it. I just don't think she does all of it. Yeah. If anyone does happen to yeah. know more about, like, what is stunts and what's not stunts, like, feel free to hit us up because I think it's really cool to, like, the fact that you usually can't tell when a stunt double is being used is, like, first of all, like, so, like, in- yeah. impressive, honestly. But I agree with Jamie 100%. Like, the stunt doubles actually don't get barely any recognition. Partially because the they don't want the audience to necessarily realise there's a stunt double. The whole idea is that it's seamless and you don't realise yeah. that it... Like, it's the same character. You want it to be the same character. Yeah, exactly. So I would love to know if anyone has any particular information about the stunt doubles and, like, you know, if they have, like, examples of, like, where the actor or actress was performing yeah. their own stunt versus a stunt double, that would be so cool to know. So, yeah. While we're still talking about that scene, though, we mm-hmm. do really have to talk about they put the thermometer in the meat yeah. and he goes, it's lukewarm, which is a massive fucking food health safety issue. Okay, here's the thing, though, because surely they're just going to – like, it didn't matter what the temperature <laughs> said. Like, that temperature could have been, like, a perfect, like, 70-degree, like, exactly where you want it to be. Celsius, but, like, food health safety. Oh, yes, Celsius. <laughs> Not 70 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, I assume, relatively cool. Yeah. But, you know, because the temp- what the temperature danger zone is usually between 5 degrees Celsius and 60 to 65 degrees yeah. Celsius. So below that or above that is generally what we would consider food safe. So, you know, it, it wouldn't matter if that food was, like, beautifully at 70 degrees Celsius, you know, perfect, whatever. They were still going to be, like, not good enough. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, it, it yeah. But, you know, also... Important to check things like that. Yeah. Particularly in establishments where you've got food just kind of sitting around for long periods of time. Food health safety is no joke. Speaking of food. What a connection there, Beth. I know. Yeah. I know. This is Perfect why they pay way. me the no yeah. dollars. <laughs> this is why we pay the dollars. <laughs> so, Elliot making the tea was a yeah. beautiful incorporation to this episode. And I was so confused. Like, I was like, I knew that Sophie was cueing him. Yeah. Because they don't, they're, it's not subtle. Like, you no. can very clearly, like, you see her, like, touching his arm. And, they're, like, like every pointing. time. Like, they're yeah. not, like, oh, my God, poor me. Like, it's, it, but it's, like, oh. She's very sugar. clearly like, actually, indicating yeah. to him. And, like, it yeah. happens before each step in the team making yeah. process. They show, I think, both Nate and Parker reacting to Elliot just randomly making Sophie tea. So, like, you can see that the audience is very aware that, like, it's being done intentionally. Yeah. But I was like, where is this relevant? And then in the actual moment, they play it off as like a joke of like, I told you you owed me one kind of thing. And you're like, my thing was how much time has passed between the Roach incident and this meeting where Sophie has had the time to cue Elliot this specifically? (laughs) My thoughts on this, because Mm. we get the line, did you brainwash Elliot again? Again, the again is the important. The again is the important bit <laughs> in that sentence. So I'm assuming this is sort of like underlying. Yeah. Like she'd already put in all the legwork for this and she sort of just like undid whatever she did to remove it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's like, you know how when you learn to ride a bike for the first time, it takes like quite a long time. Riding a bike is maybe not the best example to give me a person who genuinely did forget how to ride a no, bike. No, that's exactly why I'm... spectacularly. This is exactly why I'm saying it. Because when you relearned how to ride a bike, it didn't take you anywhere near as long to learn the second time as it did the first, did it? No, but I'm not very good at it. I... <laughs> The, I, look, this was not meant to be pointed at you specifically. 
the that's idea fine. is if you if you learn how to do something, mm-hmm. right? It takes you longer to learn it the first time than when you relearn it later down the track. Yeah. Like if you say you learn how to knit and you knit for many many years and yeah. then you stop knitting for whatever reason and then you, you decide still remember like two, how to three, cast on. two three yeah. years later you decide to relearn again. Yeah, you're a bit rusty, mm-hmm. but you, like that knowledge is still there. Yeah. I'm going to assume that it's a similar situation here. She'd already put in the like. Yeah. All of the legwork for it, and she sort of just like, Chance and that's why they specifically say, "Did you brainwash him again?" Yeah, that's great. Well, I suppose it's like she's not actually creating new neural pathways; no. she's just strengthening existing yeah. ones. Like she's just revisiting them. Yeah. Yes, which is so fucking funny. Also, knitting is a way better example for me because that I actually do remember. That is something where I learned it as a kid and then just didn't do it for ten years, and then I picked up some knitting needles and some um. Well, and I was like, oh yeah, I can do this. And then I just knit like an entire scarf and also some pillows. So... Do you want to know what's really funny though? What? I also learned how to knit as a kid and I have no idea how to knit. Oh my God, but you know how to ride a bike. I do. Oh, um, that's so funny. Between the two of us, we are one <laughs> functional human being. <laughs> so, over on the Supernatural podcast, we laugh a lot about the boys yelling about crimes in public. Yeah. And I would just like to say... That I don't think either of them have ever been as bad as Duberman walking through his lobby and just fully yelling about being in the suppression business. <laughs> like, they are yelling at each other. Yeah. And I'm like, are you trying to get around? Like, are you trying to incriminate yourself? Like, and for me, I sort of just boil that down to like, well, he's in his own business. Like, I mean, yeah, like, that's like, true. he's not actually on the street, but it's still like, it still doesn't seem like the wisest yeah. tactic, but then you immediately see him lose his entire mind over the bonsai and you're like, oh, this man's a lunatic. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like, okay, so that's actually That was perfectly... the warning sign. Yeah, like... I was like, that's actually perfectly in character then. Never mind. He's just insane. Yeah. Um, oh, I do also very quickly want to do a shout out to the interior of the new van, which mm. is like weirdly yellow and blue i don't know how i'm vibing about the yellow and blue the colors that they chose are just very odd like they're kind of aggressive yeah but i will say that the new van interior does look a lot more like organized like there's compartments for things Mm. i feel like hardison's really stepped up his cord management yeah it was like lucille he held on to because lucille held a special place in his heart but now he's got the money that he could buy himself, like, a top-of-the-line. Mm, fancy van. Yeah. Which, we do learn more information about Hardison this episode. We do. Specifically, in high school, he didn't go to prom, was it, or homecoming? Whatever because was. he was hacking the Bank of Iceland to pay off his nana's medical bills. Which, fucking iconic behaviour. That's so funny. Also, I love... What's his line? He's like, he's like, this is dope or something. Yeah. It was so funny. Young Hardison really brought me a lot of joy. I also love the fact that they didn't get an actor in to play Hardison. In no, they just they put him just, in a cap. Yeah. <laughs> they, they gave him braces and put him in a cap. And I was like, yes, this is Hardison at like 18. Yeah, literally hilarious. <laughs> but it's still fully grown Aldous Hodge, who is incredibly tall and quite buff. Like, yeah, exactly. And I also love that he did it to pay off his nan's medical bills. Like, I think, like, they could have made it... Because, like, obviously at the start of the series, like, they're all criminals much more in the sense of doing it for their own gain. Yeah. And, like, they even, at the beginning of the episode we already talked about, like, have Hardison explain to Ned exactly why they're doing what they're doing. And I find it really interesting Mm -hmm. that they showed Hardison at such a young age already kind of doing what they're doing. Although I'm sure, like, the Bank of Iceland isn't 
probably like massively a huge horrible target to take down but you know he wasn't targeting any random person to take the money from he was like i'll take it from a corporation i'll take it from a bank and he was doing it to pay his nan's medical bills like he wasn't doing it to be like oh i'm gonna just have this money so i can like go do something crazy kind of in direct contrast to all of the other like criminal quote-unquote members of the team i'm not counting nate here because nate Nate was doing his own thing. Nate was doing his own thing. Nate was, like, getting married and having children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, like, Sophie grifted from rich assholes essentially, to steal art Mm -hmm. for her own benefit. Parker just wanted a whole bunch of trophies and cash. Mm -hmm. Elliot was just trying to, like, you know, but, like... I think Parker was trying to prove herself Mm -hmm. to herself in a lot of ways. But that's... We'll get there. We'll, I digress. Oh, yeah. And we... Yeah. We, we'll we'll get about, to Parker. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. And then even more next week. But that's not the episode that we're talking about. We're talking about how Hardison, like, in his own way, was already sort of doing, like, a watered-down version of what they're doing now, essentially. Yeah. Like, he was trying to help the people around him mm-hmm. by taking from sort of, like, big companies to give... Like, it's sort of Robin Hood-esque yeah. without being exactly what they're doing now. I do find it really interesting because it's this concept of doing doing the right things for the wrong reasons versus doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And it's... it's What is that uh, quote where it's, like, the road to hell was paved with good intentions mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yeah. And I do think it's really interesting... And not to bring up Supernatural yet again, but it's kind of like Sam... I was thinking that Sam quoted. It's kind of... <laughs> that, literally, know. that quote is Sam quoted. Genuinely. <laughs> but it's kind of like this idea where, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to use my inherently evil probably powers, but I'm going to do it to Like, I know these powers are people. probably evil, but it's fine because I'm using them for a good for reason. For good, yeah. You know, I'm going to take this curse and make it a blessing kind of thing. And it's interesting because, obviously spoilers for Supernatural, but we see that obviously progress to the negative. Whereas with Hardison, it's kind of done like a full loop. So Hardison has started off going to like steal stuff for, from someone or in this instance, a corporation that has a lot of money. And also like that money is insured. Like it's not actually coming. It's not being taken from people. Like it will be fine. Yeah. There's legal stuff. They'll figure it out. He's taking from the bank and he's giving it to his grandmother who obviously like, it's still like in his interest because it's his yeah. family but well, it's, it's not his family because it's well, adoptive true but family is family yes so, family is family family don't earn blood and all that bullshit yeah oh god look at you quoting supernatural like a little a little star so he's stealing to give it to someone who who needs it right yeah and so then we see like the slippery slope of then he just starts stealing because he can yeah and, like it's fun and that's how like you know he makes his livelihood yeah. and then you have him introduced to the team and it kind of makes that full circle of, like, now he's gone back to stealing for other people yeah. from corporations. And I just think it's a very interesting choice that they made that be what he was shown to be doing. Yeah. Because it does create this really lovely narrative circle yeah. of his moral journey, yeah. I suppose, you know? Anyway, I just really loved that yeah. that was it. And the actual scene itself is hilarious. And I... Honestly, they probably just played it for a bit, but I do think that the context of the bit is really fascinating from, like, Mm -hmm. a narrative analytical perspective. And also, we do get the line from Hardison, which is, he doesn't rig elections, but he he could if he wanted to. Yes. Which is just iconic on so many levels. It is iconic, and it's another thing about, like, morals. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, again, like, it's, he could rig it. But it's like, that is not the nature of democracy yeah. and it would defeat the point. And, you know, so I do think that's another interesting look into his morals yeah. as like a criminal, but also as a person, yeah. you know, 
Oh, speaking of which, speaking of which, sorry, this is so no, that's okay. So, okay, where is this fucking line? I wrote it down. Oh, okay. So it's when they are as like the group discussing um, the fact that like they Hardison can't hack stuff yeah. because of the way that it's run he through literally the old computer. The book like well, no, no, yeah. no, not that scene. Oh, he's speaking a dead language. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. So it's when they've they've broken into the office mm-hmm. and they've gone in and they've realised that um, he's running everything off his high school computer and Harrison's like, I can't hack that. Like, it's just, it's not going to work. We're going to have to yeah. get the password, like, organically, yeah. basically. Or as they did, brainwash him into changing it to something yes. that they knew. Genuinely, I have so much to say about this episode, but I just, while we're talking about Harrison, I want to mention that Elliot straight up says... Look at Hardison. He got bullied his whole high school career and he's not a criminal. And everyone's like, what are you, like, bro. And then he's like, well, he's not a bad criminal. <laughs> so funny. And then, like, Hardison, like, makes his whole point, like, of, you know, how would you know I got bullied? And he's just, like, you know, talking. And it's, it's like you've got an action figure. And it's, I really loved the dynamic between the team in this episode. And it's so nice. Like, as much as I did love Tara, yeah, it is so nice to, like, have, have them all like, back. And it's, like, the banter between them. And, like, especially between Sophie and Elliot. Like, mm. I don't know. It's, it was just so fun. And I've missed it. And I didn't realize how much I missed it. And I think, like, kudos to the writers because of Tara. And also, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the actress who played her. Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan. Kudos to her as well, because Tara was such a wonderful, enjoyable character that I forgot how much I was missing Sophie. And it is only now that we have Sophie back and Gina Bellman back where I'm like, oh God, I've missed her. And I've missed her interactions with the team. So like, kudos where kudos is due. But yeah, that that whole section is just so... It's It's so so fun. There are so many fun little bantering moments in this episode that I just love. We need to shout out the New Zealand bomb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a New Zealand mom. Because <laughs> he's like, he's he's like, oh, we've got a serious problem. She's actually like an assassin. Mm. And it's pretty obvious that Iran has hired her to, or the Den of Spies rather yeah. specifically, has hired her to kill off Duberman because they, they don't like what he's asking in terms yeah. of his prices. Mm-hmm. He's um, getting cocky. He's getting cocky. And like Hardison's going through her list of like organizations that she's listed with. Uh, worked with and it's like all the stuff that you expect like the Russian mob and that sort of stuff and then he goes the New Zealand mob (laughs) and I'm going to assume that the reason they listed the New Zealand mob is because Gina Bellman who plays Sophie is a Kiwi she's a New Zealander yeah so I'm assuming that's why they snuck that one in there but like if you don't know that she's Kiwi then it's like that is a very like niche and specific mob to list do you know what's funny is that I didn't actually realize that like I feel like I knew that like subconsciously but until you just said it then I don't think I fully like clicked into place because in season one I want to say she had an episode where she did an Australian accent yeah, and it wasn't and, too bad and I was like oh it's actually like pretty good that's probably fucking why yeah she grew up like fucking four hours away yeah there's a chance that maybe her family holidayed in Australia or something like that's so funny if you're gonna go on an overseas like I don't know if anyone knows this, but if you live in Australia or New Zealand and you want to go on a holiday anywhere, there are limited holiday destinations available to you if you don't want to sit on a plane for, for more like, than 18, like hours. 18 hours. So everyone goes to Bali or New Zealand? Bali, basically. New Zealand. A lot of people go to Japan as well. Mm. Yeah, actually, my cousin's in Japan at the moment. Yeah. 
So there you go. They're, they're the three. They're they're where you go because everywhere else you're looking at at least like a 10, 12 hour bloody flight. Yeah, and thousands of fucking dollars. But yeah, so that probably explains that. I want to move into a couple of the things that I didn't love. Yep. There were just a couple of lines and a couple of moments where I was like, mm, could have done without this. Yeah. And also, let's stop. My first note is, let's stop making Elliot gross. It's my campaign for the rever- the remainder of 2022 and moving into 2023 when this episode will be released. Yeah. Because I... I love Elliot, my small precious bean. And I feel like we talked a lot in season two about they kept doing stuff that like made him feel gross and creepy and pervy. And they did it again this episode. With the flashback, which... So unnecessary. Like, no spoilers for later, but also kind of low-key spoilers for later. Okay. We get the reason why Elliot's into cooking. And it's not because he took home ec in high school because the teacher was hot. Like... I genuinely forgot that, that this is what they did in this episode to try and be like, oh, well, this is why Elliot's so into cooking. It's not. We have an entire episode coming up in, like, a season and a half that explains exactly why Hart, like why Elliot got so into cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, we, there is an entire episode about it. Like, we learn in detail why he is, like, why he likes cooking so much. Okay. We have an entire episode about food. I think you might love it. I will probably adore it. It yeah. is... It gives us so much Elliot backstory. Like, we meet someone from Elliot's past. We learn why he's into cooking. Like, and this doesn't make any sense for what they try to do later on. And it's just, like, it's kind of just weird. It feels like... The thing that confused me, right, is because they had the bit where, like, you know, he's obviously, like, on the football team or whatever, and they're saying to him, like, come on, bro, like, you want to do home ec? And I was for a second, I was like, oh, they're kind of, like, subverting gender norms and stuff mm. and, like, subverting, like, that toxic masculinity of, like, and then it's like oh, I no, can't do cooking. Yeah, and then I was pissy because I was like, you had such a good opportunity yeah. to subvert that stupid trope of, like, men can't enjoy cooking, that's for ladies, I only cook on the grill, bullshit. Like, you know, I'll, I'll cook a barbecue, but I'm not going to bake a cake like crap. Yeah. And... So I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, and it makes perfect sense for his character because one, we know that he likes cooking already. That was established in the wedding job, which was way early on, but also like knife skills that it makes total sense. Like this is going to be probably the only actual legitimate secondary education area outside of maybe like um, wood tech where he's going to be able to be using weapons and like refining skills because it's about fine motor skills and about different knife techniques and like yeah obviously it's in the context of food yeah but like it's still like he's clearly he's interested in knives in weaponry and you know that is gonna be like you know it's it's much more relevant than like repeat of the line from the wedding job which is like knives are like people it's all about the context Mm. which makes no fucking sense here yeah but because it would make it would make perfect sense knowing what they do with the Elliot food storyline later on. Yeah. It would make perfect sense for what we learn later on for that line to come from that environment. And here's the thing, like it is true, like you do use different knives for different techniques on different types of food. Like that's not un Yeah. I, you know, that's not niche knowledge. But it's also it's weird here because he looks like he's using like a general like a standard kitchen knife or a chef's knife to like cut vegetables and like that makes sense 
Why wouldn't you use a kitchen knife to cut a fucking vegetable? Like, do you know what I mean? I think it also doesn't help that they put that music behind it, which is just like a choice in and of itself. Yeah, and they also, like, here's the thing. If they had focused in on, like, actually, first of all, a quick note, the teacher's behavior is inappropriate. Yeah. Like, it's not actually just about Elliot and the portrayal of Elliot as gross, but it's also the fact that the teacher is being gross. Yeah. Because she is getting right up in his space in a way that she does not have to be. Yeah. And, like, touching him where she does not have to be. Like, there is a perfectly normal and not weird way to demonstrate how to use a knife properly. And it is not by crowding your student from behind, putting your tits in their face, and holding their hands to guide them through the skill. You don't have to do that. (laughs) Like, cutting vegetables is not that serious. Like, it reminded me of, you know that thing in movies where, like, they'll teach you... You know, they teach you how to play pool. Mm-hmm. It was that, but in home ec. And it was just weird. Anyway, I don't want to get too bogged down in it. But didn't yeah. love it um, for a number of reasons. And I really hope that they kind of quit it with the whole Elliot, the amazing womanizer crap. Because yeah. it keeps coming off really grot. And I don't love it. And also just while we're on, like, stuff that I didn't love, um, we also have... And I realised that they were doing this for the con. Like, yeah. we get the flashback later and, like, you're showing all the times that they've used the number eight and five and stuff. Yeah. And Sophie says, I've worn glasses since I was eight and I, you know, in the last five, five years, years ago, I, I finally got contacts. And, like, I get that. But, again, it's that thing of, like, the woman is beautiful as soon as she takes yeah. off her glasses. And it's like, okay, can we be done with that now, please? Like, yeah. Yeah. Look, to be fair, I personally, I give this episode a pass for it because all of that sort of stereotype is precisely that. It's Sophie using a stereotype to her advantage mm-hmm. because they know that it's going to be the best way to get this dude to do what they want, they yeah. want him to do. Mm-hmm. It's the same as the line, like, eight months of dieting to fit in this dress or whatever. Yeah, which is another one where I was like, can we not yeah. perpetrate diet yeah. culture? Yeah. Like, it's, it's gross, but, like, I think... I understand. It gets a pass in this instant just because, like, it's not actually something that's sincere. Like... We know that that's not at all the case. Like, that is just her working in eight and five for the... Yeah, which I... And I, I understand. And, like, that's... Like, I yeah. understand the context of it. And yeah. I also understand why they're using it on the mark in this way because yeah. this is how they're going to get to him, yeah. right? But then they, later on, have a note where she says to Nate as Drake, like, yeah. I assumed you'd be fat. Yeah. In, like, a very derogatory, like... Yeah. And I was just like, that is so unnecessary. And also... Um, there's a whole bit about um, he's got lady parts, which yeah. again, and like, come on, guys. But then also, and Sophie, to be fair, that is a reference to what he'd already said earlier about being bullied and getting. Yeah, I just don't think they had to yeah. double. First of all, they didn't have to use that as a yeah. thing that he was bullied about, yeah. and second of all, they didn't have to double down on it. Mm. But then later, Sophie, as Sophie, or not actually Sophie, because whatever the fuck Sophie's name is that I'm not allowed to know, as is Nate, so now I'm more Nate-coded than normal. But Sophie, as herself, not as her character, calls Nikki, the assassin, a slut. And I was like, guys, what is happening? Like, there are so many great things about this episode, and normally Leverage is pretty good about this stuff. Yeah. But... Like, so many things, yeah. like, consecutively in a row. I yeah. was like, wow, we're really doubling down on body shaming and body image, like, yeah. issues and also, like, just gross comments in general that are so unnecessary to the plot. And I just, 
it's frustrating because like I, I said um, earlier, like it comes down to like 2022 yeah. lens, but it's also like this stuff still wasn't cool when they were saying yeah. it. And it is, it it's stands like it, out because usually yeah. leverage is pretty, was pretty progressive and ahead of its time. And so I think when it happens, it stands out more obviously because I'm not expecting it. And like some of it, you're like, okay, I see they're doing that for the job. They're, they're trying to play these roles and like trying to base it basically off of just like tangentially whatever this dude is saying to try and make it work. Yeah, because they're also going on the fly. And so they're using caricatures and stereotypes yeah. to make stuff easier for themselves, basically, which I understand. But it's, yeah. But like the slut yeah. shaming comment, like, you know, and that is also like a harmful stereotype in and of itself, you know, and so it's just, it's just silly is what it is. And like, I'm just not, yeah. I'm not I don't go into leverage expecting these kinds of comments. No. And I think that's why they stand out to me so much. Yeah. In saying that, I think that is everything that I wanted to say that I didn't like because everything else I really, really liked, mm. but it's just for some reason, they just, that particular part of the episode yeah. was just like moment after moment after moment of unnecessarily lying that was gross or weird or very yeah. aged badly, aged yeah. like milk kind of thing. Oh, I do want to say a moment that I do think actually aged really nicely hmm. is the reason the con is blown is because Nate assumes somebody's gender. Yes. He's like, the stereotype is like the name's Pat. Uh-huh. They were talking about how this person was really mean and he's like, oh, it must be a dude. Mm. Wrong. Yeah. I have in my notes, always use they, them pronouns unless you know otherwise, Nate. <laughs> but yeah, like that was, that was actually really fun. And I was, I was, I loved that that was what undid the whole con, you know? Yeah. And it was so, so clever, honestly. And after all of that work that Hardison had done, like doing background and like feeding them all the information. And actually I love the line where Hardison says, I feel like I know these people now. And he's talking about like how this girl could have done so much better than settling for this shithead and like, you know, this kind of stuff. And I was like, damn, Hardison's really learning about parasocial relationships on the fly. <laughs> um, and then obviously, okay. The one thing that I've never noticed about in this episode, the way when Parker and Hardison originally break into Dubinich's office. Mm-hmm. Um, That's wrong. Duberman. Duberman. Why are Dubinich and Duberman so close? They just keep using very similar names. It would be like if we had yet another fucking Randy. Like, I don't know. So when they're breaking into uh, Duberman's office, mm-hmm. the way they get out is they steal the Japanese, like, ah, oh, the Japanese yeah. clothing from the walls. Mm-hmm. But, like, then it's meant to be played off as, like, no, but they didn't realise that actually it was a security breach sort of thing. Like, mm. it's not like we get a scene, like, oh, well, they've clearly broken in. Like, now the security measures are tougher. Yeah. Because surely they would notice that art is fucking missing. Like, they, they walk out with it. It's not yeah. like they hide behind it and then they, like, zip out. Like, yeah. Like, as soon as you turn around to leave the office, there's just a blank fucking wall and you walked past the art to get in. Yeah, like... So, unless it's, like, <sighs> gaslighting where someone's like, what art? Like, <laughs> like what art? But then surely they just check the fucking security cameras. Yeah. Like, it can't be that... Like, in this... The whole point is that this guy wrote the book on tech security. Yeah. So, like, they're gonna have... State-of-the-art CCTV, surely. I also do really love, though, that they've introduced this character in an episode and they've made it very specific. Like, this is the sort of thing that you just assume Hardison would do behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And they were like, 
Hardison can't just do what he'd normally do behind yeah. the scenes. Like, yeah. they've actually finally introduced, like, a mark that's mm-hmm. tech-savvy enough that it's like, Hardison could... Yeah. Hardison can't take him down the line because he's so tech-savvy. Mm-hmm. Like, But also, the fucking genius of putting it all on outdated... Soft, yeah. Like, outdated, like, floppy disks yeah. and stuff. And what is so funny to me is, like, I am just old enough that I remember actually using floppy disks. Yeah. Just old enough. Yeah. I remember them when I was, like, younger, like, 8, 9, 10. Like. Yeah. Because I remember using them in primary school in, get wait for it, the computer lab in the library at primary school. You know exactly the one yeah. I'm talking about. Not the new one they've got now. No. The old one. The original <laughs> one with the big boxy computers where you played numbers up and it was the best damn part of the school day. So that's, like, I remember using floppy disks. Yeah. But anyone born, like, I mean, I was 98, you were 97. Anyone born, like, a couple years later than us probably doesn't remember what a fucking, probably never touched a floppy disk unless they've just found one in a drawer of their parents being like, what the fuck is this piece of plastic? Like, it's actually so clever because people like Hardison, right? Yeah. They're going to remember floppy disks. But if Hardison had been born just a little bit, like, later... And considering the way technology moves forward and that, yeah. a lot of the time, like, technology moves on because you've got new people into the field. Like, yeah. typically a lot of the massive... Like, obviously there are exceptions to every rule. rule but a lot of the massive sort of, like, software developments and stuff mm-hmm. are coming from new coders who yeah. progressively get younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. Yeah. So might not, like, may know what a floppy disk is by, like, context clues or, like, from, like, textbooks or whatever or just background knowledge, but may have never actually encountered one. And, like, the other thing about it is that I literally... Actually, it's really funny because this morning, before I got out of bed, I was just, like, scrolling through Tumblr trying to, like, wake up a little bit, and I came across a post where someone was talking about how they have noticed that, like, younger people don't know how to do stuff like just use USBs. Because we don't really teach how to use USBs. Like, school, I don't know about everyone, but, like, we used to have computer lessons where we would learn how to use, like, Word and PowerPoint and, like, do these things. And I think now... And you would get a virus that would go through the entire entire school school on USBs and fucking delete all your work. Yeah. You know, but this is the thing, like... It used to be taught, but I think, like, the point of the post that I was reading was, like, they were saying, now it's so much assumed knowledge because we just assume that young people are so exposed to it that they'll innately know how to do it like we now know how to do it. And it was so interesting. Like, they were saying, like, I know young people who don't know how to, like, safely eject a USB. And so, yeah, putting it on stuff like a floppy disk... If you've never been shown how to use a floppy disk, you don't know what it is. How the hell are you going to overcome it? And so it's actually genius. Like, if I had, like, secret, top secret information that I wanted to put... Like, I'd put it on a fucking floppy disk. Because, first of all, you'd have to know what a floppy disk was. You'd also have to be able to find it. Because it's not like it's on the cloud or a Google Drive that could be remotely accessed. Like, you have to physically have the disk. And also, you then have to find a computer... That you can put it into. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. Like, you not only need the actual piece of plastic, you also need compatible, like, hardware. And that's going to get harder and harder and harder to find outside of a fucking museum. So, yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was really fun and very clever. And just, like, a, a fun throwback. 
to floppy disks, our forgotten comrades in the technology development progression. Sorry, that was my floppy disk software rant. Software? That's my floppy disk rant over. I actually think I'm pretty well all done. Like, I... Really? I have so much more to say. Yeah, I'm like... I, I will say here as just like a little bit of a disclaimer... This is not an episode that I revisit a lot. Really? I think it's a fun episode, but I just... I love this episode. Like, did we find a Blurbridge episode that I like more than you? Probably. That's insane. Like, yeah. Love it for us. It's just some of, like, the weird stuff with, like, the comments and that. Like, I've never really loved. But, like, there there are moments in this episode that I fucking love. Mm Mm-hmm. Hardison Elliott as the health inspectors. Iconic. Chef's his iconic perfect. My favourite thing in the entire fucking show. And this is why I was laughing so hard when we did the Supernatural episode with the health yeah. inspectors. Because, like, I was just thinking of this and all I could think of was, I've got a doc yet. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I actually said that in our episode and you were sitting there, like, vibing. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. You have no idea. I remember quoting that in that episode and sitting here like, you don't even know. Here's, here's the fucking thing about this. I more and more fully understand why the Venn diagram of people who watch Leverage and Watch Supernatural is like such overlap. I get why people write crossover fic because I would fucking adore a crossover. Can you imagine? For me, what as I watch more of Supernatural, and obviously as you watch, you might you might have a different opinion. What it feels like to me is obviously because these shows were made around the same time. Yeah, it feels like. They were given, they were both given the same list of tropes. You know how you have mm-hmm. like, um, like, you know, I don't know, there, there is a whole, like, ink, ink, Inktober and stuff. Oh, yeah. Where it's like every day there's a different prompt mm-hmm. that, like, and so, like, you have a whole bunch of people doing the same prompt, but it's like in a different font because somebody else's art. Yeah. This, it makes me think that they got like the same list of tropes. That's so funny. And like, you're so right. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, they, they both got the prompt, like, getting chased by dogs. And, like, yeah. the did hellhounds and Leverage did the stork job in which she's chased by fictional werewolves. You know? Like, they both got the prompt health inspector. And so mm-hmm. Supernatural did whatever the fuck ritual thinking was. Yeah. And Leverage did this. You know what I mean? Like, it just... You know, they had a high school reunion, so they had after school special, special and, and they this. had this episode. And like, yeah. You know, they the had a future job. They had Pam and they had <laughs> they, they got given the prompt psychic and they did Pam. They had Sam and they had <laughs> They did playwright. So they did fucking uh Phantom Traveller and the Mile High job. This is so like, funny. Uh, you're one you're like, onto something. It just You cracked the code. I don't know if it's just like these were like the really big popular tropes. Around no, that time. Do you know what it was? It was Kim Manners and Kim Manners' brother, who was working on Leverage, whose name I forget. I'm, I've just decided, based in nothing but the what Kim you Manners just said, <laughs> the Kim Manners effect. <laughs> no, like, genuinely. Yeah, so, like, for me, like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when you have those months where it's like every day is a different prompt. Mm-hmm. It's like they got given the same list of prompts they, and they've just done different things with them because they're inherently different shows, which is... They even have main character drinking addiction plot yeah. lines it's that meme that's like what's the difference between these two pictures but one <laughs> is locking sam supernatural in the bunker and the other is putting nate in rehab in the 12-step job. <laughs> do you know what is hilarious is in the 12-step job nate hallucinates sterling mm-hmm. sam hallucinated alistair he would have 100 percent hallucinated yeah Carl. that is the funniest <laughs> I feel like my mind has just been opened to a whole world of possibilities. I want to write so much fan fiction. 
I swear to God, if at some point we find out that Elliot was like recruited for some military thing and he spent a whole bunch of time in like a torture chamber and then at some point they were like, we'll let you go if you start torturing people. I swear to God, if we get that, I'm going to lose my mind. Anyway. We will revisit that in the fourth season. Shut up. No, we won't. Are you fu- In the fourth season? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, so no spoilers. <laughs> I will confirm we do not get that exact scenario. Oh my god. But we do get Elliot and torture content in the four seats. Fuck off, that's so funny. That is so funny. Okay, look, I am mentally ill. We, we need to talk about something else. <laughs> oh, speaking of other properties mm-hmm. and the... What's the word I'm looking for? The comparisons. Yeah. I think it is so funny that they bring up the concept of like a Roman room. Because all I could think about was like, oh my god, it's his mind palace. <laughs> and I just like, I was like seeing Sherlock BBC in yeah. my mind. It was really entertaining to me. But in that same scene, I really loved Hardison being like, I can't hack a guy's head because it really threw me back to I can't hack a hick, which is yeah. very fun. But also the fact that he knows all of Nate's passwords and he's like, do you want to see his Netflix queue? And then he goes, it's so funny. I just, it's very fun. We also get Parker being like, yeah. Let's do it blindfolded. And I'm like... She like she genuinely is like, that is her... If she can do something that no one... Like, if she can make it a challenge, mm-hmm. like, that, that is what she... Like, she doesn't want... Like, a, like she doesn't want a simple break and enter. Like, no, 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 no. That would be too easy. Yeah. That would be almost insulting to her craft. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love it. I love that she's, like, so ready to be, like, challenge myself. Speaking on Parker, we have to talk about the fact that she didn't go to high school. Yeah. Which they make quite a point of. They bring it up like four times, I want to say, across the episode. And like, it they... reminds me a lot of in the Top Hat job, where like Nate is explaining, like, oh, it's this thing that big companies do. Like, they have mm. everyone in the same room. They go, and all of the rest of the team are like, we've never. What had are that you experience. fucking talking about? Like, yeah. do you really genuinely think we ever had like a normal job? Like, yeah, that like that's the highest insult. Like, it yeah. kind of reminded me a bit of that, like the sort of. Mm. It kind of like, what was really funny about it is I was like really relating to Parker, not because I didn't go to high school, but because everyone was assuming she understood how American high school works. And I got to be real for a second, as an Australian watching American content, high school makes no fucking sense. Like what's a sophomore? What's a fucking freshman? What's a fucking, like, you know, senior makes sense. But also I don't think senior is actual the final year of high school. And that doesn't make sense. And you know, and prom and homecoming and what's the fucking difference, you guys? And like, you know, I don't know. It it seems it's very entertaining to me yeah. to watch Parker be like, I don't know what you're talking about, as the others act like if it's common knowledge. Like it's obvious. And like, I'm just sitting there like, yes, Parker, I get you, because every fucking fanfic I read where they talk about anything to do with college or school or whatever i'm like i don't know what you're saying and i have to like google how old they are and it's (laughs) it's it's a whole problem so it was nice to see myself being represented by parker's confusion i also i want to make a quick quick note this is not actually a talking point but uh duberman Mm -hmm. i get that he's an ass and he is like portrayal of the caricature of like that one guy that that thinks that because he's rich now suddenly like it's like he's better than them or whatever it's kind of he actually says that and it made me so annoyed because it's really gross but it's also that whole you know there's that concept of like that guy who peaked in high school yeah he's like the inverse of that yeah but that doesn't there's not any better no like you don't this this concept that like you are somehow better than other people because of your 
status or your wealth yeah. or your ability it's just so fucked up it's like people are just people and you're everyone's gonna have skills in different area and just appreciate people appreciate people for who they are yeah you know it's like his argument is oh you shouldn't have picked on me in high school because i'm rich now and not you shouldn't pick on me in high school because that was a dick thing to do yeah exactly like it wasn't so much like a you guys are assholes because you were bullies. It, that's not what he's going for. It's not you were assholes because you're bullies. It's I'm you were assholes you. because I'm better than you now and you were wrong. Yeah. And it's he's focusing on the wrong thing, I think, yeah. is the is the point. And he's so caught up in his his desire to like stick it to the bullies that he kind of misses the fact that now he's an asshole. Yeah. And now like, he's a bully. Yeah, exactly. Like, literally like, at the start of the episode, Elliot bumps into him with the bonsai plant. Mm-hmm. And then he, he he's fires him about it. on the spot. Like, yeah, not a normal or relative reaction to somebody accidentally bumping into you. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, Even, you don't fire someone because they didn't look where they were going. Like, it's not like this dude's done this six, seven times now and is still, like, not yeah. taking any care with his job or whatever. Like, Or it's not like he, you know, did some kind of irreparable damage to yeah. either of the people involved yeah. or the object. or it. Like, he just literally, like, sometimes you just fucking run into people. It yeah. happens. Yeah, he's literally just become the asshole, basically. Yeah. But what I do love is he has a crab-themed clock on his desk. You see it in the scene where his assistant says that, like, the reunion committee is calling and he he takes the call. And it, like, shows his and computer he screen when he's like, having, like, the Zoom meeting. Yeah. And in the bottom left corner, he has a crab-themed clock. And I do love it. It's very fun. And it seems like a bizarre thing for him to have. But it it was very... I like the clock. He's an ass, but I like his taste in clocks. And I'll give him that. That is so weirdly specific. <laughs> Look, Nate didn't have a weird necklace. Weird necklace. He did have a weird necklace. Nate didn't have a weird hat for me to hyperfixate no. on this episode, so I needed something. And because the little red crab clock really, really did it for me. As we've established up to this point, Nate and hat wearing is very specific occasion. Yeah. The occasion is, is he, it's like a flow chart. It's yeah. like, is Nate playing himself? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. If he's playing himself, he doesn't have a hat. If he is playing somebody else, then he might have a hat. Mm. On the contingency that the person he's playing is fictional or not an actual character. Mm. Here's the thing about that, because that actually swings me straight into my next point, which is I wanted to talk about Nate playing Drake McIntyre, right? My first question was, where is the real Drake McIntyre? And then I love that they did explain that by saying that Hardison, like, made it, like, so he won a competition to, like, a a game or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, why would you go to your high school reunion when you've got free basketball tickets or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And obviously they would have done the bare minimum research to work out, like... What he liked and what would would actually call him away from the high school reunion. Yes, exactly. The thing that I want to talk about, though, is that Nate as Drake McIntyre is not wearing a hat. Mm -hmm. And I think that is interesting based on existing conversation that we have had and that you've just perfectly summarized for us, which implies that Nate is playing a version of himself, which makes me want to fucking know what Nate was like in high school. Because we actually don't, like, we see Elliot in high school. We see Parkinson in high school. We We see Parker at high school age, but she's definitely not in high school as we've established this episode. And we do get flashbacks in the future of Parker 
in that, that sort of age, age bracket. bracket, but okay. we never see, like, obviously she didn't go to high school, so we never see her in high school. Exactly. So that's what I was just going to say. So we know what Elliot was doing. We know what Hardison was doing. We know that Parker didn't have a high school experience. We don't really see Sophie, but we kind of... We will learn. Okay. But we get the implication because mm-hmm. of the stuff that she says to Nikki when... Well, not Nikki, but, yeah. you know, the assassin, when she's fighting her off. By the way, she fights her off with a fire extinguisher. This woman is a trained assassin, and Sophie takes her down with a fire extinguisher. And I'm like... To be fair, though... You just, like, replaced Elliot. Like, you just... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, like, I would... I would say it's pretty well established at this point that Elliot has been training the rest of the team. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Self-defense. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, but I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I was like, damn, look at her go with her little fire extinguisher. I love that for her. But yeah, so the only one who we don't get elaborated on is Nate. But Nate is immediately able to pick who the bully would have been yeah. in the yearbook and makes the comment that he's like, I could pass off as that. Yeah. And he's right. Like, he does look similar enough yeah. that, like, it's it works. But I'm like, interesting. Because, like, that compounded with the stuff that we learn about Nate's family from the bottle job. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Nate probably was a, a bit of a fucking dick at high school because he had the knowledge that his family, like, no one was going to pick on him. Yeah. Right? So... I find it so interesting that he's not wearing a dumb fucking hat in this episode. And also... But then again, we have established that he doesn't wear a dumb hat when he's playing an actual person. Because he doesn't wear a hat of sterling. Okay, that's fair. But I also think that that is him also playing himself. Because the other thing is we don't see him wearing a hat. Sterling is who he used to be before he started. Yeah, like sterling... We've talked about the like moral like strip of sterling to Nate. And like here's the thing... Sterling and Nate used to be the same. Like, they used to be far more similar than they are now. Exactly. I would argue that Sterling is almost like a projection of a facet of Nate. Yeah. And that's why they play off so well together and why they enjoy that, like, competition between them. Because they're mirrors of each other. And you're going to be fascinated when we get more Sterling backstory. I love it when we get more Sterling backstory. So... Yeah, so it's really interesting because the other place where he wasn't wearing a, a headdress was when, uh, I think it was in the bottle job, Yeah, when he was basically playing as his father, yeah. which again is another, pro- like we could argue, is another facet of his own personality. Yeah. So I am so interested that while he's playing Drake, he's not wearing a headdress of any kind. No Especially hat, no like fucking... And then no Sophie or anything like that either. Sophie at the end of the episode gets given a tiara, but Nate does not get given a crown. Like I... I know that the Nate's bad hat joke is like yeah. whatever, but I'm also I am fully on board with it. Like I'm like this is meta now. Mm-hmm. I I'm so proud of it that like when we get stuff like this, I'm like yeah, I want to compound on it. Mm. But yeah, even the fact that at the very end he's not given a crown, where it would have made more sense for him to be given a crown because Sophie gets the tiara. Like mm. it's actually weird that he didn't get given a crown. Mm. You know, so it's just it's just so interesting to me. Because it makes me think that, yeah, Nate was probably that dick in high school. That would be, and I could be wrong. But and you know what? I think this is, one, is actually one where I, like, I'm thinking ahead and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that I don't think we ever get any confirmation as to what Nate was actually like in high school. Like, I think, I think every other character at some point we get at least some vague indication about what they were doing at that age, sort mm. of like you know, in their teenage years. But I, I don't think... I don't think we learn anything 
anything further about Nate, really. Like, we lo- obviously, we learn more about, like, his family. His, uh, his family and his upbringing and that sort of stuff. But not about this specifically. But I don't think we learn anything specifically. Nate, we don't get a lot more about, sort of, like, his adolescence, like, mm. specifically, and, like, okay. what he was doing at high school specifically. Like, I think that one's pretty well, like, fair game. You can assign whatever character stereotype you want to him. Great. I have just decided on that then. I've just decided that this is what Nate, like, I think I think that it makes sense. Mm. Like, I don't think that it would be out of character for him to have been a bit of a dick. Yeah, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, like, they're, they are going somewhere with all of the references to Nate's dad. Yeah, like they are that. going somewhere with it. We learn about more about Nate's dad. Cool. As we go, I do have like actually just a couple of quick notes on Nate that yeah. I want to touch on. Like I'm just gonna I think speed run them because speed run them. We've talked about him a lot already, but mm-hmm. Nate is still drinking. Yes, like yeah, clearly As he's I said, not. They make a point if he's drinking. Um, at this point, it's implied that it's not necessarily healthy, but, but it is managed. healthier than it was previously. Yeah. We He's also... more functioning than alcoholic at this stage, but the alcoholic is still, still there. Still there. Yeah, exactly. Like, first season was just alcoholic. Second season was just functional until yeah. the second half, and then it was functional alcoholic. And now we're leaning more in towards the functional sort of side and less towards the alcoholic sort of side. Yeah. I love the line, you try to shoot my friend Dusherman, I'm starting not to like you very much. I That was so funny. I thought it was hilarious. And also, they just straight up swap to just telling the mark the truth. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I think this is the first time that that has happened. Yeah. Like, I can't think of another example where, like, I mean, I think that they have maybe, like, let themselves be seen by the mark like i think mm. at the end of whichever episode it was it's the order 23 job where hardison is like in the courtroom yeah and they, they're talking about how oh so this is why you decided you were you just like sitting around bored one day like thinking where could i hide my money and you hit it in the courtroom and the mark starts laughing going like well i may have broken this many laws but do you know how many laws you've broken to do this to me and they're like yeah. and then he runs out and it's like heavily implied that the story that he would have to tell is so batshit insane that nobody's going to believe him. Like, there, That's actually not the one I was thinking of. Like, that's another good example. I was thinking of the one and... Oh, and the juror number six Juror number six, thank you. Mm-hmm. And they, like, let her see them all as, yeah. she, as she's, like, leaving. And I was like, this is silly yeah. and weird. But, like, also, like, they don't... The gloat is a crucial part of the episode, <laughs> Beth. But, like, they don't often actually tell the mark right. straight up, like, this is what we're doing and, like, whatever yeah. else. And then, obviously, like, he just, I like, think, goes yeah, running I think out actually, of there with the gun. I think, thinking about it, so far, the only other one where we've actually seen that happen is the Order 23 job. We've had some sort of subtle variation, but none where they've just sort of, like... Straight up outlined their entire plan. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I thought it was interesting that they went with that. Um, I do want to have a very quick shout-out to Nikki, the assassin, who is incredible um, and also a lunatic. <laughs> like, before I realised she was an assassin and I thought she was just trying to hook up with, like, as many people as possible, I was like, I mean, all the power to you, but also insane behaviour. Nikki, Nikki, <laughs> Nikki is my icon. She's just like, I thought she was just trying to like hook up with as many dudes from her high school as possible. And I was like, I mean, all the power to you. Wouldn't be me. I'm not going to lie though. Kind of Big Meg vibes. Yeah, you, do you know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I do love that. Um, also, I love that we do find out that she is an assassin because I was really confused about where she got the key that she used to log Nate in that yeah. storeroom. Also, Nate getting stuck in the mops. Hilarious. Iconic. Beautiful moment. Loved it. Uh, shout out to Elliot saying this reunion sucks. 
hilarious, beautiful. Uh, love He's that. just so pissy. Like, and we've got I the know. lovely scene of like, we've just had Sophie and Nate crowned king and queen of the reunion. Uh-huh, they're having their slow, slow dance. dance. It's so awkward. And they're like, oh no, we, it's going to be really obvious if we don't. Like, this uh-huh. is the easiest way to blend in. Let's just do it. And they're having like a nice time. And then you've got like, Hardison, Hardison and Parker. Parker. We're going to talk about this. This ending sequence uh-huh. is my favorite fucking ending sequence of the entire show so far mm-hmm. it made me so full of joy and you were over earlier than i finished the yeah. episode so you got to see my face real time and i'm sure you can understand that i'm not yeah. overstating i wish i didn't even take notes i was just so happy and so engrossed in it yeah because okay first of all god we've talked about supernatural a lot this episode but that moment when Nate and Sophie have to slow dance really gave me tall tales dancing with an alien vibes like the awkwardness yeah. of it and the like just kind of like, oh, are we gonna? I guess we're gonna do this, you know. One of the few good bits of the episode. Of that days. episode, yeah. And so again, it's like they were given a list. I know. <laughs> Awkward high school dance. Tick it off. But yeah, so I loved. I love Nate and Sophie being forced into this almost like fake dating AU. Yeah. Like it feels like a trope where it's like you're forced together and you just kind of have to go with it for the sake of the larger plot. And I loved it. I loved that they led into it. I loved that they tried to have Nate like make it less awkward by making a bit of a joke. And I yeah. loved that Sophie was like, don't ruin the mood or whatever. It was, yeah. it was such a nice little banter. And I think it's a nice way to remind the audience that like they kissed like two episodes yeah. ago and haven't talked about it at all. And like, you know, so- because in Sophie's own work, like when, to be fair, Nate did try to talk about it. Yeah. But in so- Sophie's old own words, I don't remember a kiss. I remember a slap. Mm-hmm. Obsessed with that attitude, by the way. But, you know, so I love that they have sort of narratively push them into a corner where like they have to have this like kind of intimate moment they have to deal with at least a little bit of it yeah yeah exactly like it's ramping up the tension Mm -hmm. without actually making them commit to anything and i think it's very clever Mm -hmm. because as an audience member it's really satisfying to watch them have to deal with this tension but it's not actually like they as characters don't actually have to have a conversation that would concrete them into something so it's just a very fun like little bit and then the fucking parker and hardison moment of like him saying like may i have this dance and her descending on the harness and then she doesn't even touch the ground and he just holds her and they're spinning and it's so fucking cute i love it so much and then you get fucking Elliot outside being like does anyone care if Elliot survived does anyone give a shit about what Elliot's doing and it's and he punches out that dude and it is so funny Parker Hardison are Destiel coded yes Sophie and Nate are also Destiel coded Elliot is Sam (laughs) (laughs) am I wrong here's the thing if Elliot was truly Sam coded he would have interrupted either of the moments that were happening but he wasn't physically there, so he couldn't. But he wasn't physically there, so he couldn't, which is so funny. And he, But he tried to. The concept he, of... He tried to. The, the concept of... The fact that none of them were answering him on the comp is also so fucking funny. And actually, that is Sam Coded, if we're going to make this about Cass. Um, but, but the funniest thing for me personally about that analogy is the contrast between seeing the, like... Will they, won't they couple having a, like, a moment and then cutting to Elliot just, like, fighting for his fucking life? That's so funny. And that is absolutely Destiel slash Sam coded. That is hilarious. 
Uh, and we have an episode coming up in season five that is going to perfectly encapsulate this exact concept. And I can't wait to remind you of this conversation. It's going to be very fun. So obviously I haven't seen the later seasons of SBN, but the way I think of it in my brain is like Parker Hardison are like season four, season five, Dusty Alcoden, right? Mm-hmm. Still get like... They're babies. They're babies. There are some there. They're like they're kind of awkward, but they like they genuinely like each other. Mm-hmm. And then and also Parker is just so cascoded. Yeah, and then Nate Sophie is later seasons Desi Alcoden by the couple. time they've reached our old married couple stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got their and three Sam's children. the same for each of them. Yeah, <laughs> Sam is just a constant. <laughs> Um, I can't wait till you finish Supernatural because we're going to have so many conversations. But yes, I, I love that analogy. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And like I said, this was my favorite episode ending ever. Like, it's really funny because like we've had a lot of touching ending moments where uh, oftentimes like we have. Um, we've had a few where like uh, Elliot's been cooking and they've like had family dinner and they're really lovely. Yeah. I like when we have family dinner or often, end scenes. Or often we have like them meeting up with the client and like giving the client something like. I forget again which episode it was, but there's one where specifically Parker gives the money to that guy. Yes, the future future job. job. Yes. You know, and so we have these moments where it's like, it's very wholesome and a sweet and very emotional ending to the episode, but we rarely get an emotional ending that is individual to each of the characters somehow. The only other ones that I can think of are what I like to refer to in my brain as the forced adoption endings. The ones in which Nate is like, I'm going to be a brooding loner. And the rest of the team's like, <laughs> you are our mother duck and we are but ducklings. And Sophie, who was another yeah. duck. <laughs> like the ones where the team's like, oh, you thought you were going to have a sad drink at the bar and then go home alone to your oh, apartment. You thought you were going to be a real emo about this. <laughs> Oh, you thought this was one job and walk away? <laughs> Guess what? We're following you. Yeah. No, it's great. So I did love this ending. I thought it was very fun. I think it was very emotional, but also just highly entertaining. And it's a beautiful combo. So, yeah. Also, I just really love the shot composition of, like, Parker and Hardison in the foreground with, like, Nate and Sophie, Sophie in the in background. background. And then the jump cut to fucking... Uh, Elliot. So fucking funny. Also, I didn't even mention it, but I need to shout out whoever the fuck designed Nate's costume. Yeah hilarious mm-hmm. iconic Nadine double denim again. the fucking necklace it was the badges yeah so funny so fucking funny and we did mention it earlier and as much as i hate the line drake i assumed you'd be fat mm. i do however love the response cleaning pools keeps me fit yeah and just the total like the tone deaf it was meant to be an insult like yeah it's okay but still dicey because they're on the same team and they know it's not yeah but just the the reply, cleaning pool keeps me fit. Then the, oh, I've got six pools. And I the, think it's eight. Eight yeah. pools. And I should give you my business card. Yeah. Like that. The bit, himbo energy. Yeah. Is wild. Wild. <laughs> and like Nate is a character that no one would describe as it's a, a himbo. himbo. No, 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 no. Anywho. Okay, lovely. That brings us to the end of the episode. Enters a few questions. First question. It's a new one. How do we think this episode ties into Moreau? Do you know what? I actually have a thought on this because I went into this episode and I was like, I have to pay attention because you told me you're going to ask me this question. I have a feeling because Duberman in this episode threatens um, the, is it, um, does that give the organization that he, the Vezerat. Yes. The the Iranian secret place. The Vezerat. Thank you. So he threatens them by saying that he's 
can turn all the information over to the FBI yeah. because he mentions the FBI is also a client. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that might be how it ties mm-hmm. together. Like, I think the fact that they're now really ingrained in, like, Duberman's, like, you know, they know how he runs his, like, company and, like, they had that access to those files. I think that that could maybe come back because, mm-hmm. obviously, like, we know from last week's episode that, like, there's a lot of corruption in law enforcement, including in the FBI, that is linked mm-hmm. to Morris. So I think that that might be how mm-hmm. it ties in. The other maybe more obvious tie is, like, if it's somehow to do with, like, one of the mobs that Hardison listed, yeah. like the Russian mob or the New, New Zealand, Zealand mob, mob or, or even uh, Nikki the Assassin. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a couple of avenues that I think they could take, but my thought is that it's most likely to be a throwaway line that you're supposed to subconsciously absorb, mm-hmm. kind of like they made the point of in this episode with Sophie and Nate giving, like, all the different iterations of the word badge um, or badger and also eights and fives. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that it may be something to do with the FBI and specifically the fact that they use Duberman mm-hmm. as their, like, intellect yeah. sort of safe Yeah screening process yeah that is such a terrible way to put it but you know yeah. what i mean but that, the, the fact that the fbi are clients of his tech of business tech and they use some sort of tech from him and that's gonna link into more yeah i that's my thought mm-hmm. that's my thought. can neither confirm nor deny these accusations <laughs> uh then then what would you rate this episode out of five okay i'm gonna give it a four mm. i would give it a 4.5 Except for the dicey yeah. comments and the stuff where I'm like, come on, guys. There's just like two, three, too many of them for it to be. If it was just like a one line, then I, or if it was just them repeating the whole thing about Elliot being gross, I could maybe be like, ugh, like I've already talked about this and I'll just leave it. But if it's that an offhand comment that you're like, oh, that kind of aged poorly, mm-hmm. that's okay. But there's like six or seven comments in this one and it's like. And they were all right one after the yeah. other. And it was just like a weird section. And I was like, man, this is really bugging me out. So. I, I would have given it a 4.5, honestly, mm-hmm. but I think for those comments, I'm, I just have to dock it. And <laughs> I'm going to have to dock, <laughs> I'm gonna it. Have to dock it. And, well, that's going to come up a lot. <laughs> and Well, considering our entire scoring system is like, okay, what would I rate this as a base? Now, how many moments made me physically uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> True. Like, how many points do I have to dock? Yeah. So I'm going to give it a four because I still really, really enjoy this episode. Mm-hmm. There were so many parts that I really loved. And yeah. Okay. Lovely. The next episode is called The Inside Job. Mm. What do you think it's about? Okay. So here is the thing. The inside job obviously implies that it's going to like happen. Like if something's like, if there's like a mole on the inside, mm-hmm. it's like yep. within the organization. Yep. And so it makes me wonder if there is like some kind of con that is going to be run like within the crew Mm -hmm. which is really fucking fascinating it does make me wonder if maybe we're gonna have like a recurring character like maybe sterling or even like tara like i know we've recently had tara at the end of season two but it would be interesting if like maybe we get a return of her you know it could be yeah i don't know like i'm trying to think of it in the context of that and it's really difficult it doesn't really give us a lot unless it's maybe Similar to the bottle job, where the title is more relevant to the actual theme of the episode than it is about the con that's being run. So maybe it is more like inside, as in like referencing, like it all happens inside the building Mm -hmm. or like they have to get inside something or maybe it's even a reference to like emotional like Mm -hmm. stuff. Like it's sort of like inside. inside. Yeah, exactly. Or like got to get 
in, in this episode, like, he makes a point of, like, yeah, you got inside my head. Yeah. So, like, maybe it's, like, a similar, similar like, thing. thinking about the inner workings. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot, honestly. Like, the inside joke doesn't give me a lot. No. Anyway, well, I think that pretty well, that was a bit of rambling from me, a bit of rambling from you, the standard. Yeah. Um, if you want to find us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. All of the links will be in the description below or to the side or wherever the fuck the description is located. Yeah. I don't know. Depends on the, the podcast app you're on, I guess. If you want to look there, there's social media links. You can join us on like Twitter, Tumblr, Discord. Discord. I almost said Facebook. I'm like, we're not on Facebook. <laughs> anyway. If you want to talk to us at all, though, feel free to reach out on any social media platforms. Suggested conversation topics include... I'm pretty sure I said this last week, and I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but honestly, talk to me about the Nate's hat theory. I'm really invested in this. Like, more so than I maybe should be. But... I, it's, I And Jamie already said that we don't really get much more context on, like, Nate as an adolescent. I would love to hear everyone's theories. Like, do you agree with me? Do you think that he could have been a dick like that in high school? Like, do you have a non-spoilery reason why you think that I'm wrong? Like, please. Because I'm i am into it. I'm into this conversation. Elaborate. Please share. Mm. Also, Beth said earlier she wants to know more about stunt performers. Do you have any yes. BTS knowledge about... Stunt performers. Yeah, it doesn't have to just be from leverage, too. Like, I think that, like, stunt work is so underappreciated in literally all aspects of media. So, like, let us know. If you've got any, you know, niche knowledge or you have, like, some stunt performers that you particularly, like, love or you know from other bodies of work, like, let us know. It's it's cool. It's a good discussion to have. Oh, would you go to your 25-year high school, like, reunion? reunion? I don't think I would. I didn't go to the most recent one, the five-year one. Wait, you guys had a five-year... Yeah, they had one of one year, five years. I think the next one is ten years. Yeah. I, I just, I was like, I don't really want to see these people. I was like, anyone that anyone who I knew in high school that I wanted to, like, keep in touch with, I've kept in touch with. Or, like, could message and be like, hey, you want to catch up? But anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely rest of your time of day. <laughs> Non-specified. <laughs> Bye. Bye.